Today on Manny and Ryan's podcast, episode 117, season 3, we will be breaking down East Coast and West Coast hip-hop in the 80s and 90s and analyzing why it is not taught in history classes. Straight Outta Compton by NWA, a song exposing the conditions of growing up in the hood. NWA was a California-based hip-hop group in the late 80s that influenced West Coast hip-hop music for the next decade and a half. The members of this group, Ice Cube, Eazy E, Dr. J, MC Ren, and DJ Yella. To get a different perspective, we interviewed a student at RHS, Michael Rontovich, who is very familiar with this topic. Lego. Okay, when you think of West Coast hip hop, what first comes to mind? I think about Tupac. Definitely. Be more a little specific, elaborate. Like, um, well, I mean, I think about like G Funk beats. I think about uh, you know, that West Coast vibe, Sunny California. I guess I also think about Compton with NWA and like stuff when it comes to West Coast. And yeah. I guess I think about uh, like Kendrick now with like modern yeah. rap and stuff. Uh, I think about it as like one of the main aspects of where hip hop originated. This group was a living embodiment of the streets that many young African Americans grew up on and revealed the hardships surrounding their lives. This realness surrounding their music influenced future West Coast rappers such as Tupac and Snoop Dogg. Tupac would rap, would rap about the harshness of growing up African American, as can be seen in his hit, Changes. Tupac and many West Coast rappers were seen as what most people at that time would call thugs or just another gang member, rapping nonsense. But to many, they were artists. They acted as inspirations to many African-Americans who wanted a better life. West Coast rappers took pride in their music and took pride in growing up through the struggle. Many of these artists signed to Death Row Records under Suge Knight, an executive producer that brought these big names, such as Tupac and Snoop Dogg, into the spotlight. While this was occurring, the East Coast was also producing their own type of rap sound. New York hip, The New York hip-hop group Wu-Tang's Clan, with its most notable member, Method Man, in 1993 are considered to have revived hip-hop on the East Coast. With their album, Enter the Wu-Tang Clan, 36 Chambers, most noticeable song being Cream. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, when you think of East Coast hip-hop, what first comes to mind? Uh, I think really rawness when I think about East Coast hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when I, like, I guess when I when you listen to a lot of, like, old East Coast hip-hop nowadays, uh, well, like, you listen to, like, Biggie or, like, Nas or, like, any of those, like, mm-hmm. big or, like, Big L, like, any of them New York rappers had, like, this very, like, rawish type of flow. Well, like, on the West Coast, it was, like, this more G-Funk-ish. But now I think that New York rap really emerged now. It's, like, more type of, like, you have, like, people like Lil TJ and A Boogie and stuff who are, like, kind of singers. But it's definitely where hip-hop originates. Probably the staple of rap. Queens-based rapper Nas would then release his album, Illmatic, in April of 1994. And two months later, the notorious B.I.G. would release his debut album, Ready to Die, and Bad Boy Records came to life. East Coast rappers emerged with a higher emphasis on their raw lyrics rather than on their beat. This was such a small view on such a large emergence at the time. August 11, 1993, a regular Wednesday night in downtown Bronx, New York. Hip-hop was born. Hip-hop may have created in a somewhat unusual place. At a note of the ordinary disco party in a small apartment building, young Jamaican DJ, DJ Cool Herc, decided to spice things up for his inventive crowd. His real name, Clive Campbell, resourceful DJ skills, would lead him to do something never done by any DJ before. Hip-hop music with melodies and lyrics that I commonly associate hip-hop with 
were still not apparent in these late night parties, DJ spinned one disco record at a time while, while he excited crowds of people dance to the beat. Spinning only one track at a time meant music would stop playing as a record fan sided, and another would have to be placed on the table before it could start playing. Cool seemed to avoid this problem by spinning two records at the same time. This meant one song would fall right into the next, meaning the party would never really stop. Cool didn't stop there. He interpreted drum solos, smooth beats, and even often mixed two of the same tracks together to create sound no musician has ever created before. These mesmerizing beats would soon be known as hip-hop. Hip-hop took off quickly from here. Influential hip-hop groups such as the Furious Five, the Rocksteady Crew, and the Cold Crush Four began producing hip-hop's hits, setting the tone and creating a new culture for generations to come. The first, what can be considered hip-hop hit, King Tim III, released by the Fatback Band, changed the music industry as now more bands would sell their hip-hop records. Hip-hop records didn't slow down from here. In 1979, Sugar Hill Gang's Rap is Delight would break Billboard's Top 100, placing it at number 36, making it the first official hip-hop hit, but also changed the view on the hip-hop genre. Hip-hop went in many directions from this point but we are going to focus on maybe one of the most memorable branches of hip-hop genre, gangster rap. Young rapper Ice-T embraced his life in the ghettos of California, writing his lyrics based off real-life stories on the streets. Gangster rap reflected the life living in the ghettos streets of both the East and West Coast. These predominantly minority and perverted-ridden communities at the time had little to be proud of. Poverty led to crime, and crime back to poverty causing a never-ending cycle of toxic streets. Many artists who grew up in these situations only found themselves out through determination, hard work, and following a dream that hip-hop culture might one day make them a living. Hip-hop figures took media attention swiftly on both coasts. One of the first, most prominent groups to make money off the rap industry was NWA, led by the late rapper Eazy-E. The group made noise with hits, Straight Outta Compton, Fuck the Police, and Express Yourself, that highlighted their life in the poverty and crime-ridden Oakland outskirt city Compton. This group grabbed even the attention of President George W. Bush in 1988, where he condemned their hit, Fuck the Police, as he believed it incited violence against law enforcement. NWA redefined the rawness of pop culture, setting the stage for even more famous rap labels, such as Death Row Records and Bad Boy Records. Easy es ruthless records would eventually fall apart, allowing artists like Ice Cube and Dr. Dre to also redefine the role of individual artists in rap culture. Dr. Dre would join the dream team of upcoming rappers signing with a death row label. The West Coast prided themselves with their G-Funk beats, while the East had their own thing going. From the Bronx, Brooklyn, Long Island, most East Coast hip-hop was born in the ghettos of New York. You have the Notorious B.I.G., Nasty Nas, P. Diddy, the whole Bad Boy record label, the Wu-Tang Clan. The East took off almost as quickly as the West Coast, showing the same miracle happening on each side of the country. This expression of culture is no coincidence. Lots of East Coast rap depicted life on the streets with lots of raw lyrics that even make the listener gag. There's lots of reference to violence, crime robbery, police brutality, and with really no say in the corrupt court system, this music was one of the only ways people living in these ghettos could express themselves. 
Luckily, these songs broke mainstream and allowed people to listen and to really feel what it was like to live in these streets. The emergence of rap from the East Coast ghettos really shows the strength of this, of this culture at this time. Even with backlash and profit and life never being guaranteed, they simply would not be silenced. In AP U.S. history, the Harlem Renaissance is taught with names such as Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston. Langston Hughes, a poet, and Zora Neale Hurston, an author, celebrate African-American culture through their work. In history class, the jazz era is also taught with names such as Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong being two of many that helped revolutionize jazz. Louis Daniel Armstrong and Duke Ellington were two of the most influential African-Americans in the jazz era. These two eras that really came about at the same time brought African-American culture to prominence and brought a huge sense of pride to African-Americans, but is often overlooked by textbooks. Later on in U.S. history, the Civil Rights Movement in the 60s and 70s would help end segregation and truly help African-Americans gain a higher sense of equality. Negative social attitudes towards African-Americans would continue to exist throughout the country regardless of the Civil Rights Movement. African-Americans did not receive high-quality education so African-American communities, often referred as ghettos or the hood, would have low education levels. These low education levels forced many young African-Americans into the drug business and gangs. The streets of these communities were often dangerous, and life was difficult for many young African-Americans. 80s and 90s hip-hop stemmed out of anger for their life that many young African-Americans were forced into or born into. As stated before, they rapped about the harsh conditions and discrimination they faced, yet they only receive a page in the AP U.S. history textbook and not a mention in the classroom. For such a prominent time in U.S. history, it may be surprising to some to think that we don't go over this in our classrooms. We go over other emergences of black culture, but sometimes overlook one of the most modern and one of the most ongoing emergencies of this culture, and we often tend to ignore the significance it had. To get a different perspective, we interviewed a history teacher from RHS, Ms. Powell. So I think when politicians, especially um, in the late 80s, 90s, right, heard a lot of these lyrics from hip-hop artists or rap artists, they immediately went to, okay, well, they're perpetuating violence in their communities and they're killing themselves mm -hmm. off. Kind of the language that you hear today with Detroit and other large urban areas. And, and it's not to say that um, there isn't some truth to it or there isn't maybe some correlation, but I don't know if one causes the other. I'm not necessarily going to agree with that. Yeah. I will say, though, that hip hop is just telling the story as they see it as it's seeing live. So what else could be causing these um, inequalities, right? What else could be causing this violence? Well, if they're poor and they don't have something and they rob for something, well then address the fact that mm -hmm. they're poor and what they need, their needs are. Yeah. If the hip hop song is just, it sounds good, right? And it's on the radio and, and it's talking about or singing about these things, then is the song actually causing this? I'm not certain. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's just telling the story. What do you think about that, Manny? Sometimes I feel schools in the class just don't want to talk about violence and gangs and drugs, but it's the truth about life and it's the truth. And reality sometimes is dark, but it is important to speak about. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, sometimes schools just like to turn the blind eye to such a topic that has so much... Um, influence on the, the age we're living in. Like today, you see modern rap culture. It's different, but it stemmed out of the same ideas. You see people rapping with this and talking about the same 
concepts. They're living on the streets, the ghetto. You know, they have to resort to crime, violence. And for our education, our education system, which in the United States we pride ourselves so much for. It's shocking we don't talk about a topic with such significance. Let go. <laughs> this cultural emergence simply isn't talked enough about when it should be. If you look at today's world, our society is more socially, economically, and politically integrated than it was ever before. Progress is being made to a more diverse society, and this cultural emergence played a big role into getting our country to this point. Truly, you have to look at this time period from the perspective of the people living in it. For many, life wasn't a given when living in the ghettos. They woke up not knowing if they would wake up again. Crime was a consistent thing, and a concentration of drugs, guns, and gang violence only made it worse for many who were simply just trying to get out of the situation of this lifestyle. It is easy to look back and just consider these ghettos to be hell holes where there was nothing good ever going on. But by doing this, you would simply overlook the role of these conditions that played on a culture that was, was just very meaningful to all these people. Now, culture is a term that varies depending on what we consider culture. To some, this music may just be ruckus to their ears, but to others, it tells a story and relays a message. If you look at a lot of the lyrics of these songs, the artists talk about crime, drugs, and police brutality like it's a common thing in their lives. They never ever even consider it that it might be all they ever known. Many people may not want to listen or acknowledge these disturbing details, but that was the point of this, because people who did not want to listen to these details did not know what it was like to live in their perspective. At the time, these ghettos or problems simply being neglected. Government did little to help them out of poverty, to clean up their streets, to enforce a just law system. Many people in these areas were in a better sense trapped in their poverty. The emergence of this music pushing it to greater audiences was not only a form of art, but also education. These explicit lyrics talked about these subjects the media and the people in the government were afraid to talk about that they simply wanted to ignore, push to the side. Hip hop and rap broke this notion and it voiced their views, stories, and struggles. They were trying to make a point that they could not be ignored, that the situation in the country, in these ghettos, in these streets, in these neighborhoods should not be ignored. These streets were tough places for many, one most importantly being African Americans, which prominently made up these ghettos. These guys are finally making money or taking on greater image in society with the help of hip-hop, putting some of these big artists into the billboards, into the public eye. So the extent at which hip-hop took over the name billboards um, had been unprecedented and showed this minority group making up a great part of the culture and voice at this time. How can we live the lives today where we have taken more steps to a just law system and a more integrated society without looking back and realizing what gave us this diversity and more accepting society, even though we're not there yet, we are getting there. And history books need to include this important emergence in our country as it includes other cultures because other cultures and movements because these are all contributors to what we have today. And the, and the reason people don't know the story and its impact is because it is not being taught in our schools or mentioned. It does not even need to be taught, but it has not even mentioned today. We need to educate the youth on this era. No matter how vulgar it may seem, it is important people know why our society is better today and what we can do as individuals to keep progressing it. 
The people who made these songs, who lived these lives, who tell these stories, they were just like any other kid growing up off the streets. They might just be like you too. They made nothing into something and ended up changing society as we know it. Society is always changing, but who knows what's next to come.